are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing groovy. It's a nice Sunday morning. Uh, might go out and meet some people at one of these uh, secretive support meetings, but not break anonymity with that. Uh, right, so again, we are maybe planning to do this as a regular show type thing that could go online or to other venues like streaming on a radio station. I don't know. Got plenty of things to talk about. Uh, what? Oh yeah, that's fun. I know personally, I'm just about to turn 50 and I do have issues with my stomach and digestion. I have acid reflux. <laughs> I have uh, hiatal hernia. So if I eat too fast, I get sick and almost choke or vomit. And it's fun. And I thought I had food allergies, but it turns out I just have to avoid certain things and kind of learn to live with it. Like it comes up, say, if you're in a public place and the restroom is not clean or secluded enough, and you're like, do I go there or do I superbly clean the bathroom first uh, or hold it in? I could, but then I would be afraid it would splash and get on me. But I have successfully held it in at times, but now I'm more into the cleaning the bathroom or finding the clean one. Like I've noticed churches have nice clean restrooms, yeah, or just fancier places where they have to clean it regularly. But sometimes I just have to do it. I'll be like, grin and bear it, clean it up. One of my friends, Larry, told me years ago that, you know, urine is sterile actually, so it's gross, but I'm not gonna get some illness from it and I just have to deal with it or else I could risk damaging my inner organs. So anyway, that's a fun topic, for sure. Nice, I'm a fan of Pepto-Bismol. So I drank half a bottle yesterday and has not been successful enough. So I've been eating a lot of fruit and it's kind of strange for me. I have developed the habit of avoiding the foods that would make me successfully complete a bathroom visit. So I wouldn't be stuck having to use the gross bathroom. So now it's like I need to eat the fiber and the bread and the fruits and the foods that do cause the right thing, drink a lot of water, sports drinks. And again, that works some, but I do have genetic histories of family histories. My mom has similar problems. Uh, my stepdad is an expert in the field of gastroenterology. So he knows what to do, and I just wouldn't listen. I was like, I'm not using that gross bathroom. But now I'm like, I've got to, as I could injure myself. And I saw so many doctors. He was like, I cannot help you. This is a conflict of interests and boundaries. So at one point, they said I needed to go 
to physical therapy to learn how to do something called Kegel, which is something usually pregnant women do it. I was like, this has gone too far. It's like you're developing the muscles in your sphincter or whatever that area might be called because they feel like you deprogrammed or not used them correctly for so long that you have to relearn how to defecate because it is a muscular process that's learned and unlearned behavior. But I was like, this is just going too far down the shitter. Like, I yeah. can't let my life go to crap over crap. Yeah. <laughs> right, because right. you don't want to, uh, you can you can injure yourself too. Like one time I got stomach, pull the muscle, and yes, you can pull muscles in your legs. Yeah. And I did that too, but now I'm just like, quote unquote, go with the flow. And I try to go, if I can't go right away, I'm like, okay, I'll try this later. Hmm. So what else is new with you? What are you up to? Singing PDs because my cable's out. Oh, I hate it when that happens. I, uh, it's been, I don't know how many days. I did not, I don't know how many days it would take me to pull the TV and hook up the wall because mm -hmm. I pull the cords so neatly yeah, and uh, right up against through it. That's, I've already run out of mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, TV can be addictive or obsessive for me. Like I had one point I just cut the whole service off. Also was expensive. I wasn't working at the time. I was behind on bills because I bought this Art Odyssey reissue here and a few guitars and put that before my necessary bills. I was like, I'm sick of cable anyway. They're annoying. They keep calling to tell me to pay or upgrade. So I unhooked it. I bought a darn antenna and those aren't very good. So then I got DVDs and I watched those. But then I was just like, when I moved over here, I was like, I need to, to you know, upgrade my life. So I got Fios. And then I got YouTube on the TV, Netflix, and Disney Plus. And, you know, they're not that expensive. It'll be like $20 a month for those services. Uh, anyway. Yeah, the news can be wacky. Yeah, I saw some of those at the theater. Um, and I kind of felt like that. I mean, I think it's great they're empowering women yeah, and people with disabilities mm -hmm. or and but the violence yeah, isn't like so necessary. I know it gets ratings and attention. I'll leave the place traumatized yeah, or right. <laughs> yeah. And then if you're like me, you get those things into your nightmare. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. you're the character in the movie. You're being chased by the bad people. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Now, do you ever watch things like you should have watched it as a kid? Like, I, I mentioned in my comedy things, or people, they had this show called Freddy's Nightmare. And it was all these shows. They had a Jason show. They had Tales from the Crypt. Yeah. All these things that I watched and shouldn't have when I was like 12 to 15. 
and they gave me nightmares, especially the Freddy's nightmares. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when it's campy and they mock the show, like it's fun, or they make little sex and wet nose. Yeah. Mm, how wrong she was. That's like the biggest spectator sport there is. But getting back to that, if you will, it's like I look back and go, I'm sorry I was allowed to watch this because my nightmares until recently, I got on this medication for PTSD dreaming. It's called Prozazin. Prozazin. Right. Yeah. Oh. I mean, with this thing, I still have the dreams, but I sometimes feel like the like Sue Wes Craven because the whole concept of Freddy's nightmares and original movies, whatever they were called, Freddy Krueger, what was the nightmare on Elm Street, was that you're a teenager and you couldn't stay awake or stay. You had insomnia because this creepy guy would show up in your dreams and make you feel like you were hallucinating and he'd like get you to kill yourself to get out of his sneaky dream world like you drown or you put something in your body and he was going around making the kids hurt themselves to get out of their evil dreams with him and then somehow on the movies at least they teamed up and found a way to beat him at his game and they make him have the dreams instead and they control him in the dream and he'd be mad and go, ah, you got me now, you win. But on the darn TV series, it was a spinoff and Freddy never lost. It was like he was the narrator, like the Tales from the Crypt guy. And he'd be like, this is a story of how I messed up this kid in his dreams and it's a lesson to you. Don't blah, blah, blah. Like, don't do too many drugs, kids, or else I'll come into your dream. So, of course, I was also smoking pot and tripping on acid once. So that added to it, and that's a whole other story, but that's probably why I had all these wacky dreams for the past, like, 35 years. Ah, uh, so... Ah, mm, I have only... I think I snorted coke a few times to see what it was like and it was just a stimulant and it was fun because i'd be productive yeah. so i was with these stoner guys one named joey and this josh guy and we were at his house recording non-stop all the time because none of us had jobs and we needed to be motivated so we like take a bump of this and we really focused and record a lot of songs. Thought it was fun. Other than that, I don't remember doing anything else. Maybe I tried shrooms when I was already high. One time, maybe five years ago, I had a roommate who got me into huffing some junk. And I won't say her name or the place. She's better now and married. Doesn't do any of that. Right. So yeah, we would go to this place, and it's supposed to be an adult 
things store for women pretty nearby here. They're all over. And they had special gear for cleaning the sex stuff, which I guess dildos or whatever, vibrators, you have to clean it once in a while. So she would go without any embarrassment. And they knew her and go, I need some cleaning spray. And we went to my place, my old house, spray it on a washcloth and it would freeze. And then we'd inhale it. And it was like tripping on acid really quick. I thought it was one of the scariest things I ever did. Right. Oh, wait, no. Oh, God. I mean, it was like, I also may have a mild form of autism, so my height senses are sensitive. So it felt like I had an ice cream headache for like suddenly, and then I would black out and feel high and loopy for like five minutes. Meanwhile, my friend, we'll just call her Tina for this purposes, would do like the whole bottle and then she'd sit there and start hallucinating and talking to herself. Well, she did that. My only experience with the tripping intentionally in high school, uh, my friend, we'll just call him Jimmy and another guy, Dirk, her code name, uh, one guy, Jimmy, he was a high school stoner, kind of outsider. He went to pony pasture a lot for drinking. We meet this guy who gave us like fake oregano pot and smoke that and nothing would happen, if anything. And then somehow the other guy, Dirk, quote unquote, got hold of acids. He was into the deadhead scene and they had done it a bunch of times so they said you should try this it'll expand your mind so i took one i was 16 we were in my nissan minivan uh and they were enjoying it and i didn't feel anything after like half an hour so they're like oh just take another one i did that and i tripped out and it was just too weird for me. They had one of these consoles with the radio and the air conditioning. It was like 90s, modernish. So I thought that was spinning on its own. The little man character was moving around and then had to go home to my parents' house and be like, I don't know what's going on. It's been too long. I'm still feeling like I'm tripping. One, they were totally against any drugs or drinking. And so they were pretty freaked out and going, you ruined your life. Why would you do this? Right, right. I mean, my mom was a psychiatrist, so I thought she would know what to do. But she did not because that wasn't her culture. Well, this was like several days later i couldn't sleep i was sweating i was still i think it's more like flashbacks of the hallucinating because you were so paranoid and, and scared by it so i kept thinking about it that stupid car thing and me driving home with it when i shouldn't have probably the freddy's nightmares effect was in it i just couldn't come down so it's like 
I don't know what to do. And I didn't have a regular psychiatrist at the time. I hadn't been diagnosed with anything. And so for a while, I also thought, thanks to my friend who has a history of his own, you've heard about one of the ones that yells at our friend who got her to leave the car because he was mad that she thought he had curly hair. He has schizoaffective and a lot of anger issues. Mm. Right. Right. I have had the same things. Uh, but anyway, so then this guy, he also had done tripped acid and he was a teenager. So he got me into this theory that that was what caused our mental illnesses. And that's also not accurate. I mean, people use this now, past few years, they're using psychedelics for therapy, but that's like guided tripping either peyote, LSD, mushrooms, it's online, there's commercials about it, and or on the radio, or mostly on Facebook, it's probably not allowed to be on the radio, uh, but they'll be like, my life completely changed with this uh, mescaline therapy and guided hallucination meditation. You know, I would never do that because I'm predisposed with anxiety and trauma. Well, maybe we should try this together. While taking a hallucinogenic thing or just meditating? Meditating, I will tell you thinking because of your no. study of well, psychology well, and college, you have a different life. perspective. So kind of historical well, psychology well, and psychiatry. Well, about what you're supposed to do and 
how who you are in society. And I didn't fit into those because yeah. I did go to college. I have admitted to people at the University of Richmond, Okay. But I did not fit into that system because of unknown things I had. Like, you know, right, right, right. So, you know, I explored different things, born-again Christianism, Buddhism, Hinduism. But I found I don't want to label it. But it is really good for me, at least, and for some people, I guess, to just realize something greater is out there and that takes off the pressure of yeah. thinking you're alone and have to do everything yourself what do you mean saved over the top um i listened to a lot of abuse mm -hmm. and he said okay this kind of repeat after me jesus i said forgive me when i'm too poor Right. And who knows what they got yeah. to take. I mean, they had homemade alcohols and wine since the probably beginning of human history, but they also ate a lot of mushrooms and things that were sort of poisonous at the yeah. time that would give them eyes, like absinthe. Right. So, you know, some people say it's like heretical or sacrilegious to question the Bible, but I'm yeah. like, why? Why can't we we're move forward and be like, look at this in a perspective of one, how it relates to the modern world, but also how it was relevant to them. And you can either do that or you can believe, I don't believe any of this, it doesn't make any sense. But for me, I had to look at it and research it myself. And I was thinking, well, how did Moses and so-and-so live for a thousand years when the life expectancy at the time was 30? And I was told in readings and by scholars of both faiths, many were like, that doesn't mean that. That's because they they chronicled time differently then. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, and I just, you know, look into it just like anything else in life. You can see what you like and helps you. Like, I don't have to look at the book of Deuteronomy literally get offended that it says right. if you're going to rape someone you need to do it this way or if you're going to have slaves enslave the yeah. people that you're in a war with follow these rules i could just go i'm not dealing with any of that or i could go i'm going to skip over that yeah. part because mm -hmm. that was a different time up until even in america 150 100 and Whatever years ago, we had accepted slavery. And that was also the case all over the world. They like to say it's yeah. just us, but no. Yeah. The Dutch, the British, the, right? The, all these other people were slave, enslaved, 
or indentured servitude, or they would have these big powers come and take over their country. Mm -hmm. Right, right, right. I can so relate to that because yeah. you and I are very alike for discovery. Uh, we've been kind of look alike. The haircut I got, but anyway, but um, but you know, I had a series of both romantic and platonic friends that I worship. Like, I still have to watch out for that. Some guy, I was, he was the band leader, and he got me started being in bands and gave me all this confidence. And he's still a friend, but he's still like a controlling friend. But then there was this other guy, he doesn't know me anymore. In fact, he ghosted and blocked me, but he would, get me stoned and drunk in his house and convince me I didn't need to work like him. He had a trust fund. He was funny, very creative, very productive. Just that magnetism of what turns out is a narcissist. They bring you in, they constantly compliment you at first and hook you in, like you said, then they say they need help. And then, if you don't do exactly what they want, the way they want it, and how they want it, they totally turn on you. And it's very traumatizing for people like me. How do you explain that more? Because that's something that's interesting. The one that you actually is the one that really speaks under the act, sort of like an over dramatic giving them back what they give you. Would you say it's kind of like, so the narcissist has their role as the one in control and they found you or myself or other people that are passive. So when you switch it on them and monopolize them, like I had this friend I mentioned, I will go into his name, we'll call him Jorge in this scenario. And he is so into himself so that he would just annoy me, not by directly doing things to me, but by constantly talking over and being into this system of he's the victim of online trolls. Right. I mean, this is probably going to get out. He'll know, they'll know. But he constantly wanted to fight them online legally and he had has wanted me to do it so i had to figure out what i could do to get away from him so i turned it around and i pretended to join the other team and then i kind of did what i'm we're doing now with 
I secretly taped his phone call messages where he would get mad at me, but I had created that. Like, I would say, in case something was happening to me, that it happened to him, and it was his fault, but it wasn't happening. Like, no evil people that threatened me to come to my house. I even went as far as said that it happened, that these people that threatened to do it, they really did. They threatened, they said, you want to challenge us online, we'll come into your world. I was like, go ahead. They're like, you watch out. You thought us putting flyers in your hallway was bad. We're going to send pizzas to your house. I was like, what? That's fine, whatever. But, right. 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 Let's not finish. So they did threaten to have men from sex sites that are probably illegal come to my door and knock on it. And they actually did it to this Jorge guy. So I went and told him that thanks to you, they came to my door and they keep knocking and it's your fault. So I got him angry first at them and then me. I was like, you're the worst person ever. This is all your fault. You got me into this without telling me what was going on. And then I recorded his reaction and gave it to these other people, which took it and put it on YouTube. But my main idea behind that was not malice, it was self-preservation, because I wanted them to get back to focusing on him and him on them and leave me out of it. And that's kind of manipulation, but that's sometimes what you gotta do to protect yourself, like your story, if you want to elaborate anymore. Supposed to go to graduate school 
get them grandchildren, settle down, have my own house, control and budget myself, and grow up. <clears throat> but at the time, we didn't know fully that I was bipolar, that I had severe anxiety, later found out I had mild autism or Asperger's, just no social skills or confidence. And I really still value Dan. I met him at a mental health support peer meeting in mid-northern New Jersey, I think Madison. We had a little peer group, and he was just like my first friend for the, I hadn't had in the longest yeah. time. I didn't have a car. I lived at my aunt and uncle's house in the basement oh. and nowhere to go, no chance to get a job. Had a therapist and doctor there that I didn't like. And he just kind of rescued me. Yeah, he came right. out and he said, this is how I deal with it. He played a lot of music on his car that I still like, such as Benfolds 5 and something called Pole Sitter, uh, songs about people healing and talking about their issues. And we drive around in his car and we go to some meetings and activities. And we went to Hoboken, New York City, partied a lot because we were so young. Try to meet women and stuff, sometimes successfully. And for years, I just felt I owed him so much. But that was, although he meant good intentions, then he got deeper into his psychosis where he became angry and had some really unusual but avoided thinking patterns like that his, he wasn't didn't have any mental illness, that it was all trauma, PTSD, and racism against his mixed European heritage. And I've told Dan um, many times that I disagree. His family who I've talked to disagrees. He struggles with things, and I would love to help him, but he is also a narcissist. So if you tell him anything, He's going to attack you either in person, verbally, or on the phone or in a text, and he knows what bothers me. So he'll go into, through you, Jew boy, you'll never understand Christianity, you're a dork, Mm -hmm. because he's a jock type, and I wear glasses, and slim and sensitive, so he knows that's going to bother me, and then I just have to block him for a while. Because it's toxic. And that might be a good strategy with him to pull the reverse narcissism. I never thought of that one. I was looking at all the problems. I admire them to work there. Whereas if you go work to help them, they're like, what is Olympic system? Just you can't fix your memory. And I just want to understand. What does that mean? Are people that don't know. Is this like the amygdala? Uh, yeah, that's a low, yeah, your brain and certain people with these things or defects, they cannot have those feelings. Primal, yes, right, right, right. Yeah, I think 
Yeah, when even I had my anger moments, what will probably be able to explain better than me, but he was there, or even Betty, if she gets on, she witnessed it. Like, I would just lose it, say whatever the heck I wanted, and when the Caucasian Jewish seemingly nice person starts yelling and cursing, it's disturbing to people. So I'm not an urban person or a country person who talks like that all the time because they're influenced by their own culture and their rap and hip-hop and street music, which I've talked about in my funny or not-so-funny kind of therapeutic comedy things. You know, the first, I don't know about you, but we're kind of the same background. And I got, the first time I was in trouble in middle school was, I don't know where I heard bad words at all. I was 10, so in fifth grade and knew this private school, I had been in public school. And I really don't know where I learned. Where do you learn those words and when it's okay to say them? So I was in the hallway and my shoe became untied. So I got down to tie it, and I said, oh, shit, really loudly. And the disciplinary head or teacher heard me, and they sent me away to the principal's office and attention. They called my parents. And over that, so I learned from an early age that cursing and being angry was not acceptable. But in my theory, just out of my, I wasn't there, but I imagine like friends, I had this late friend called Ace, that was his real nickname. He was from a black family. He'd been adopted, foster system. He'd been to jail. He passed away from a heroin overdose mixed with uh, COVID in Texas about a year two years ago. He was a great friend, but the way he explained it, you know, he'd be a kid and it's not being racist to just explain it. If I were him, it would in no way be racist, but I am a free thinking and free talking person. So in the least racist way, I guess would be to use my own voice and not an impression of him. So he would just be like, hey, Roger, what the fuck's new? How are you doing, you asshole? How's it going, homie? You don't want to fuck with that girl like that. Deal with those bitches. And uh, he'd even say, you're my honorary N-word. I know you now. You've earned the title of honorary N. And he really was a nice man guy once I got to know him well. He was stuck in the hospital from sepsis and he was also couldn't walk. He lost functions of his kidneys and other organs. So he was stuck in Texas alone in this hospital and he couldn't really talk to anyone. He had a phone there but limited use of it. So we talked for like a month every day, sometimes more than once a day, maybe an hour or two hours, and I really got to know him and his story and his life, and it was totally different from mine. And I saw, 
I would still see it somewhat. I understand it now, but you know, I always wanted to be a tough guy and change who I was and not a victim and not afraid of being attacked or and him ace explains that there was a reverse side to that that he could be walking along in downtown richmond and people would be afraid of him hello what you're on the air now to see where the best place to put your phone is or your phone holder say something uh you're not coming in yet hold on I think if I take you off the little spider thing and put you out, how about now? Say something. Okay, that's better. You are in the show. I think Patty, Patty went to the restroom or something. Okay. Uh, uh, Patty's back. You're a little low. You're a little low, we're just gonna adjust you. Say something again. Hello, guys. Okay. Say something again. Hello, hello, hello. Oh, you can hear me. <laughs> okay, you're close enough, and I can back up. We can back up. But uh, we have it set up. I have the mixer and the digital thing, and Audacity is running. And we're just talking about real issues here, oh, like... Do you think that uh, psychopath rap is healing for bloodlust and anger issues? Do you Only if a man does it. <laughs> <laughs> <Not to> you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, but uh, it, that's fine, you know, it's like, I, I mean, like, you, you, you got, you, what did my words were, were food for your ears, <laughs> but tis the other way around. And when that do the such tricks, say we will not be so fat and angry as ourselves. Like that kind of stuff. Yeah. I'm on Lizzie Borden. Is that your new code name? That's going to be my new name. I haven't decided my, 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 uh, fake. Oh, uh, man, you must. Like MHL? <laughs> that would work. MHL? Yeah. Okay, we got <laughs> MHL. I think I might go with my Ra, Raja Cool moniker that my friend Sonny gave me as my <laughs> reggae name. Or should I be Rodney or Claymore? I, I like uh, Rodney. If yeah. we can somehow uh, put like a Rodney that. Oh, mix them together, yeah. Maybe tone down the Rodney redneckish part and Combine that with the compassionate legalism of the Klamowitz, perhaps. But, you know, I like being myself, and we haven't decided who will listen to this and how we'll produce it. Like I was thinking, we could get someone who's good at art to make a little screen so it professionally says this is blah blah show. I mean, there is a way to get, you know, a digital artist to make the whole thing. But I was thinking to start on a budget, you could just cover the camera up with the sign. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's a good idea. Awesome. Easier. You know, and with the level of show, the tightness of my time, I really got to get going right now. 
anything you want to say really quick? Because I guess you're going to your religious event soon. We're, we, we, uh, we're, we're all getting better at what we do. Yes, yeah. Okay, well, thank you. That was what soon to have his own special name. Uh, Hell yeah, thank you. All right. All right, cool. Okay, I'm going to turn you off here. Okay. Yeah, we're going to sign off and take a break or get back to this later. You have been listening to this new show that is untitled. And I'm going to try something really quick to see if I can play some of the music while this is playing. Uh, just a minute, folks. We're going to try this. This is some um, instrumental music that I have done on my synthesizer. And if I can find them here, this is actually a completed song. And I just need to find the right version of it. Where is it? Uh, yeah, this is a project file we want here. Ah, okay. This is a Watt song here. We're going to try to play it while this is running. Here we go. Uh, no, that didn't work that way. So we're going to go old school and play something through the phone that I like personally. Uh, give me a second. Get a good peaceful song that I like really quick. Uh, come on. Yeah, this is going to be the ending song for now. Yeah. <laughs> 